All right. Man, I know <clears throat> I know we talk about uh when we talk about the worship team and I not really getting together on songs and what I'm gonna talk about and it and and then it kinda coming together and one of the scriptures I use is talking about is coming from what they were singing about being free and free indeed and it, it always is neat when I hear it. I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. So cool how that kinda comes together. I think we should start planning it better, but it is what it is, and I'm glad that the Holy Spirit leads them in the same direction I'm going. It's pretty convenient. Pretty convenient for my non-organized personality. Um, but it was Daniel's idea. It's still the Holy Spirit. It's just in Daniel. Huh? Just being led. Just being faithful. All right. Well, what I want to talk about today is love, um, which is a pretty common theme here. Um, and I don't want to go into all the different types of love, because we've been through that enough, and that's a whole sermon in and of itself. But the we're going to talk about agape love, but I want to, I want to look at it um, as God's love for us and through us, not necessarily our love for Him, um, although we do love Him. But this is a, this is a greater, uh, much more powerful love than I think most of us even realize that we have day to day. This is a, a, a pretty radical thing that has, has just been between that and then kind of what we talked about with Honduras last week has been heavy on my heart. And I don't know if I'm going to go that direction or not. We'll just see how it goes. But one of the things that kind of springboarded this was a buddy sermon from two weeks ago. I listened to it on podcast a couple times as I do, you know, when I, when I don't speak and, or if I'm out, I was out that week and I, I listened to it. And I always just look for little things, you know, for things that are highlighted. The whole message was really good. And it was funny because I told buddy this morning, I was like, uh, I was like, when I, when, I, when I started listening to podcasts and you told me what scripture you used, and I was like, there's no way that I could see anything new in this. You know, we've preached the, the quote-unquote prodigal son, which is really the loving father, and he did a great job uh, teaching on it as well. Um, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to see anything fresh or new here. I don't know why I think that, because I'm an idiot, and I always do. Um, but, but there are a few things. There are a few things we'll kind of highlight. I'm going to highlight here that I got out of that message as well, and I kind of want that kind of springboards what I want to talk about today. Um, but we're going to start in just kind of a, a, a good definition of love and where it comes from and who it is. And that's in 1 John 4, 7. And, uh, and while y'all are looking, if y'all want to look, I'm going to pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I just pray that, that you lead me in, in speaking and in teaching and, and uh, that you, you open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us today. And uh, Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit lead in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, verse number 7, 1 John 4, 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. This is talking about agape love. Love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Okay, stop there. The very definition of God is love. He is made of the stuff, as Mark used to say. God is love, and that's where it comes from. This is agape love. This is that unconditional love that seeks nothing in return. No, 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 it's not based on merit or anything that you can do. It's a gift. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love. So this is that love being made manifest. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God Listen to this. Listen very carefully. If you hear nothing else. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That's huge. Those are, that's big words. I mean, not written big, but those are big words if we really 
understand what they mean. It says, no one has ever seen God, but when you love one another, God is seen. That's huge. Now, like I said, I don't want to go too deep into it, but I'm not talking about affection. We all have we all have different types of love, and we're not going to go into the different types of love, but I'm talking about the God kind of love, and I'm going to pause here for a minute because there have been expressions in my life and there have been moments in my life that changed me forever that I still think about today that were some 20 years ago, one of which, and some of you have heard some of these stories, but I'm going to say them again because I have the microphone and I can do what I want. No, <laughs> no but because, because this is important because these are things that actually happen. This isn't just... And this is what's great about Christianity and not religion, trying to pretend to be something. Christianity is very genuine. It's very true day by day and moment by moment. And what happened in me, um, hopefully you can relate to because you have the same Holy Spirit that I have, and you've, had, you've probably had similar experiences. Now, I had many people try to convince me through my, through my young life that I needed to go to church, right? Has anybody experienced that? You need to get right. You get right with God, you need to go to church. And I thought, I mean, sounds fair, right? I didn't know any different. Get right, go to church. Both of those things seem like a good idea, but seem pretty unattainable to a young man, especially a young man with hormones and emotions and hurts and pains. Coming from my background, I'd seen a lot of bad things. Um, Trace and I talked about it actually with our kids yesterday uh, on the way back. I'm seeing if they're in here, so nope, sweet. Y'all don't tell them, because I'm trying not to embarrass them as much as I can since that's brought to my attention. Thanks, Ben. I want to embarrass my kids every, every Sunday, but it's part of my life. I got nothing else to talk about. Um, but they, but but they, uh, but we did. We, we talked to Trent specifically about some of the things because she doesn't know. All she knows is us now. She doesn't really know of us back then, and she's getting older to where we can kind of tell her a little bit, you know, without <laughs> freaking her out too much. Hopefully, and so we began to tell her about that. And she was shocked at something. She was like, "What? No, what?" And so we told her, you know, and that back in the day we did some things and, and that we weren't proud of, but just to, to tell her, you know, we we made mistakes, and it doesn't doesn't mean that it's okay for her to do those things, but it, just to know that we, we're not perfect and we've learned from those and we don't want her to deal with those same things or make those same mistakes. So it was try to use it as a teaching, teaching moment as well. Um, but anyway, I, I, I was reminded as we were talking when we first moved into our, or not long after we moved into our other house, um, our first house that we ever had, and it was in a little subdivision, and it wasn't a mansion or anything, but it was a, to me it was considered it was huge and a nice house compared to what I grew up in. And I remember going out there, we couldn't afford to like sod the whole yard, so we just sawed like the first part, and hoped that it like grew out. <laughs> and uh, and I would drag around a sprinkler where there was an old man that lived across the street, and he he was so nice. Him and his wife were so great. And he came out and he said, "Man, why are you dragging that sprinkler around? You know, you could." You, he said, "You could put a sprinkler system in here just with a manual valve for less than a hundred dollars." I was like, "No way!" Like I had no idea. I don't know anything about houses or anything. And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I'll make you a list. You go buy it, and you you know you do all the work." And uh and and we'll do it. Sure enough, he was right, man. It was less than hundred bucks. I buried it. And I had a valve, and they popped up and sprinklers. I remember sitting out there after I did that and watching, and just like there was this weird feeling coming over me. Like, and this is what I was telling to, to Trend. Like, I had no, had no plan for future. Like, my my upbringing was rough to say the least. So I had, I thought if I could just stay out of jail or not die until probably 20, I'd be good. And so I had no real hope or future. And so. Being at the time I was a youth pastor, and Trace and I were married. She might have been pregnant with Trin, but nobody, none of the kids were born yet. I remember sitting on the fr- on the front porch watching sprinklers pop up and thinking, "How in the world did I get here?" Like, to me, this is like suburbia or something, you know? Like, I'm I'm a I'm a punk kid, a thug. Like growing up, I, like I would cuss every other word, and I was disrespectful. I was I was just a little jerk, really. I mean, I, but I didn't know any different. 
and to see, and even even talking to Trent as we're, we're you know, correcting some grammar, and I'm like, how? I mean, how? I would. I had the worst grammar <laughs> of anyone. I mean, I'm a high school dropout, and so going back to to all that and seeing where I came, where where we had come, not as as if it was an accomplishment, but to realize what God had done, and that's what I traced it all back to when we talked to Trent yesterday. It's like you know, my life shifted when the Lord came into it. It wasn't that I tried really hard and I did better because there were times before that when I tried really hard to do better and I failed. I failed a lot. And I can even remember in high school thinking, you know, maybe I should try to stop cussing or try to sound more intelligent, um, really more of a hustle, I guess, because I was like, I sound like an idiot. I, I recognized that I did, and I tried, and I could never do it on my own. It was one of those things that was uh, like a... a a confirmation from the Lord, like after I got saved, it was like two or three weeks later, I hadn't cussed, but I hadn't tried not to cuss. I'm not trying to like make anybody feel bad about cussing. I don't really care. Do what you want to do. But for me, personally, the Lord sealed that in me to say, okay, I've changed you. You didn't change yourself. You didn't do it on your own. I changed you. And that was, that was specific for me. It's not for everybody. He, he does it differently. There were other things that took years for me to understand and, and, and deal with, but that specific thing helped me in times when I, I doubted myself if something had really happened. And I, and I always go back to that. That was something interesting that happened. Well, anyway, so as we're, we're kind of explaining this uh, to Trent and kind of going over it, I was able to kind of remember some of those things. Have any of you been so far away from a life that you kind of almost completely forgot about it? That's how I kind of have been. Like, I don't even remember how bad I was because it's so far away from me now. My focus is all on, you know, kids or church or work or different things like that that I forget how ridiculous it was back then. It was pretty crazy. But now... What's cool about this is uh, one of the things that I springboard off of what Buddy was talking about in the story of the prodigal son, or the, the loving father. We keep calling it the wrong thing. The story of the loving father. I mean, did I not listen to the sermon? I'm sorry. I listened to it. I listened to it twice, actually, yeah. That's how okay it was. <laughs> it was good. But the, one of the things that I, that I picked up on that I knew, but it was good to hear again, was that both of them were, were caught in bondage. Both of the kids were slaves to something. Now, I think what we do is we, we tend to, because of our own past experience, only lean one way or the other. We either lean to self-indulgence or going out and trying to fulfill yourself in the world, or we, we understand if we've come out of a real religious setting that it was self-righteousness. It was that same prison and self-righteousness. And so we've got to be careful that we don't sway one way or the other. They're both the same. Anything outside of Christ is self-centered, right? Does that make sense? So if you're, if you're out in the world, you're just as much a slave to, to trying to, to fulfill yourself on your own as you are as if, if you're in the front row of the church every Sunday trying to make yourself righteous on your own. It's, you're just as much a slave. And just like he said, look, slaves don't have a place in the family. Sons do. And Jesus came to make you a son. He came to build a relationship with you, not to make you do what you're supposed to do and not what you're not supposed to do, but to give you his heart so that you would do what's naturally good for you. This is why I always talk about uh, cars run on gas. You know, they don't run on milk. You run on Holy Spirit. You don't run on anything else. It's not that he wants... He, he doesn't want to take, I'm getting ahead of myself, he don't want to take your desires away from me. He wants to take your old, your old desires that aren't good for you and aren't healthy for you or anybody around you away. That's all he's trying to do. All right. So we love one another. God lives in, in us and, and love is made complete in us. I was trying to get somewhere with that. Sorry, I kind of rambled. Um, but the whole point is when, when we begin to especially express into our daughter, look, God in us changed us. And, and Tracy had some things she'll have to tell you. I'm not going to tell you about her sketchy history. She'll have to tell you about that because I'm not going to get in trouble for it. So, but there were things that we told, we told Trin that, you know, that we had done or whatever, but to help her understand that now we're different, that God has changed us. 
and hopefully that she can see it. The other experience that I remember specifically was, and y'all have heard this probably before, many of you have, uh, my friend who walked through the break room when I was at work one day as we're passing and he had just lost a loved one. It was like a mother figure to him. And, and I hadn't seen him all day and we'd normally joked around and talked all day. And as we're passing, <clears throat> he's, I asked him if he, I was just concerned and I wasn't saved at the time. As I was concerned, I said, hey man, are you okay? And, and kind of generic, but hey man, you all right? And, and you could see that he'd been bawling all day and he just said, yeah man, God is so good. And he just walked past me. And I almost fell down. <laughs> like, I didn't know what it was. In hindsight, I know it was the Holy Spirit and I knew I knew it was something bigger and greater than, than I could fully comprehend, but I didn't know what to call it because I was lost. You know, I didn't know. But just passing and knowing that there was something greater than death, that there was something that brought him joy in the midst of one of the worst experiences of his life. I had never seen that, witnessed that. Does that make sense? I'd never actually seen it manifest. And this is what it's talking about, that love that God gives us, that agape love, it manifests itself. When you walk into a room, it, it manifests itself. It changes the atmosphere. Listen, if you walk into a room, I always use Melissa as a good example because she's just real good at manifesting love. If you walk into a room with Melissa, you know it. You recognize it. Listen, I've been, I've been in churches where you walk past people and you can feel it. They don't have to say a word. You can feel it. And listen, this is what's great about this is some of those people are just like jotting something down. They're not like running around screaming or doing anything. They're just like... They're doing stuff or whatever, and you can feel the you can just feel the power of love on them. And when they begin to speak, you can feel it. Listen, when just like I was talking about with the kids uh, yesterday, uh, just just manifesting the characteristics of their of their parents. I know that seems so simple, but it, it amazed me. It just it was so neat to me because I could see I could see God in it. <laughs> I could see that you know I, as I'm barking at some of my kids to do what they're you're supposed to be doing this, you know. Um, and some of them did it naturally. Some of them just went out of their way. And I'll give, um, and, I, and several of them helped. I don't want to, you know, point any of them out. But I know Tristan was one of the ones that just went out of his way without anybody asking him to help. And it was really cool. So you guys are doing a good job. <laughs> um, but he, he, you know, he just, he went out of his way just to help somebody. And not for recognition or anything. He just did what was right. And this is what we do as, as expressing the characteristic of our, of our father. All right. Wow, I have not not gotten far into this. I'm still on page one. Love. John 13. Okay, focus. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Listen to that. Don't just love one another. Take a pause. <laughs> love one another how? As I have loved you. So you must <laughs> love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's so, so, so good. <laughs> love is a gift, you know. God's, God's not giving you something, expecting something in return. That's a transaction. That's what you do. And there's nothing wrong with earning something in the world. That's how the world system works. The kingdom doesn't work that way. You're not earning something. God's giving it as a gift. That's how you love other people. You give it as a gift with not expecting anything in return. Something we used to have on our, um, our connection cards was no strings attached. It's a good little tagline to remember. Love with no strings attached. Something we want to teach our kids as well, the kids in, in our church and our kids specifically. Look, no one's obligated to give you anything. Don't expect it. Just love. If you get something, great. That's a bonus. 
But love, without expecting anything, no strings attached. Love, how? He tells us, how do we love? Just like he loved us. He gave himself for us. That's how we love other people. In that manner is how we love. It's a very clear definition. And he says, you should do this. No, you must do this. This is who we are. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Speaking of punk thug kid, I had the no fear stickers on everything. I was that guy. No fear. I thought I was super cool. I was not. I'm super dumb. There is no fear in love. I didn't even know what fear was. It was goofy. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. There's, no, there's torment. With, we have no torment. We approach the throne how? Boldly now. We're not fearing torment anymore because we made righteous in Jesus. So we, there's no fear anymore. What, this is what happens to anyone trying to make themselves uh, the center of their universe, <laughs> whether it's through, there's many different avenues. I'm not going to go through all of them. But when you take yourself, when grace steps in and takes yourself out of the equation, everything shifts. Everything changes. All right, we've established God is love. He's made of the stuff. God's love is unlimited. We need to realize that. He's not, there's not a cap. You're not going to run out. Listen, your love is limited. No amens for that? Your love is limited. My love is limited. You might get on my nerves. I'm just saying, my, my ability to love in and of my own strength is limited. I hope that it's as much as I can do, but I'm human too. You're human. Our love is limited. It, it is what it is. His love is not. He, he, the Bible says he fills all things in every way. <laughs> he is not lacking in anything. He lacks nothing. So where you lack, you draw from him, and that's where you get it. He says, love like I love, but he doesn't leave you empty and say, hey, go out there and try to love like I love. He didn't say that. Love like I love because I give you love. He says, we love because he first loved us. And I still go back to that. It's because we couldn't do it if he didn't give it to us. It's not we love because we necessarily saw his love. It's because he gave it to us in the Holy Spirit. We love because he gave us a way to love in that way because we had no way before that. When you, uh, <clears throat> when you, when you receive grace through faith in Jesus, you are no longer self-referential or self-centered not trying to, you, you don't try to love in your own power. Willpower is limited. Some, some have more than others, right? Do you know people who have more willpower than others? Most of you have more than me. I'm chubby. It is what it is. Some have more willpower than others, right? Some have a higher IQ than others. Some are more intelligent than others, right? We're, we're limited in some of those places. Some have more uh, or, or, or higher ranks and titles and positions than others, right? We're all different. We're all in different places, and we all have different strengths. Strengths, strengths. We have all different strengths and weaknesses. But agape love, real love, true love that comes from God is limitless. One of, one of my favorite quotes. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to quote him before I even get to it. Jeremiah. I just started following this guy. I think last year we may have him at the next Grace Conference. I like him. Jeremiah L. Johnson. He looks like a Jeremiah Johnson. He's got a big beard and a ponytail. But he says, uh, the person that walks in love is the person with the greatest influence in the room, regardless, regardless of their rank, title, or position. The reason why that is is because love carries with it a power that none of those other things carry with it. Love carries with it unlimited amounts of itself. Where if you, you have a platform or a, a, a title or a position, those things are still limited in, in your ability to perform in those areas. I've said before, I'm, my current position as a pastor at this church but if I was not a pastor at this church and I was somewhere else, my, my assignment would be no different. I would still love, like, 
like God loves because that's what he's commanded us to do. You guys, regardless of if you have platforms or you don't have platforms, have the same assignment that I do, is to love like God loves. And this is how we recognize real Christianity. The, the main issue with religion is, and, and legalism is, it tries really hard to be something that it's not. And the, the main problem with that is you rec- people recognize it. I could spot it, even when I was lost, I could spot it a mile away. You're fake, right? I mean, not you guys. You're not fake. This guy over here, whoever. When, when, <clears throat> when people, f- and this is a very broad generalization. It wasn't everyone, but most of the people that came to me from church who spoke to me, I could tell there, was always, there were always strings attached. There were always hooks. There was always an agenda. It was to try to get me to do something. I, not until I really understood this and came, became a part of this body did I really understand what real love looks like because all of those had hooks. It was like, we love you, we love you, but there's always a but. You need to dress this way or you need to do this differently. Or you need, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> we, you know, it'd be better if, you, you know, basically you, another problem with the religion is you're perpetually disappointed <laughs> and you feel like a failure constantly. I mean, <laughs> it's exhausting. And here's the thing. This doesn't mean that when we understand what the gospel really is and what grace is that we just give up and we don't try it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you, you, you do it from a place, not going towards a place. We realize when we understand grace that it's already been done 2,000 years ago. You're walking in the victory. You're, we're like doing a victory lap for the rest of your life. This has already been done, so it's just renewing this. It's the, the software, the hardware we talk about is done. God's done it in our hearts. It's this that still thinks like the old way. It's this that still has, it still thinks about those old passions and desires as though they're still good for you. And that's a, key, that's a key distinction. God does not want to take your passions and desires from you. You have good passions and desires. The only thing he's trying to get is your, the, uh, what's his name? Andrew Farley calls it stinking thinking. He's trying to get your stinking thinking, the thinking of the old way, your dead self, your old self. He's just trying to get rid of that. That's all he's doing is like, look, I'm not trying to take your passions and desires. I'm just trying to tell you what you really desire. <laughs> if, if I built and designed a car, I, I would expect it to, to perform or to do things in a certain way, the way that I designed it, and I would know how it functioned. Does that make enough sense? I use a lot of car analogies. Whatever. It's, I like cars. Um, in the same way, if God created you, do you not know, do you not think that he knows what makes you happy? What makes you happy? <laughs> I think he knows what makes us happy. And not just happy, what brings us real joy, not temporary, but pure, not laced with guilt and shame, not, not, not God that, I would, that was represented to me that was like some cosmic killjoy that was like, stop having fun. That's not God. God's fun. Like, church is fun now, right? I remember, I remember not being sure if I wanted to go to church sometimes. Like, I don't know if I want to go there. Those guys are pretty, pretty stressed out. I don't know about this God they keep talking about. He seems pretty scary. <clears throat> when you operate from God's love nature, fruit happens. That's where you get all the t-shirts. Fruit will naturally happen. You don't have to try to produce it. It just it happens. Um, what happens when we try to work from our, our own willpower um, with, with an expectation of a specific result I already said you get perpetually disappointed and feel like a failure constantly. That's what happens. I kind of call it roller coaster Christianity. Is it, it all your ministry basically rests on your ability to make things happen? When real Christianity rests on Jesus' ability that He's already made these things happen, we just get to walk in them. We just get to be. We just get to be in the room. I always say that. I just like being in the room. If someone's healed, 
I love just being in the room. Listen, and here's, here's the hard part. If someone's mourning, if something didn't go the way, the, the unreal, or realistic or unrealistic, whatever expectation, if it didn't turn out the way that you think, it's still a blessing to be in the room to mourn with someone. And that's tough. It's not, it's not you know, that's why I always say this. It's not all, you know, butterflies and puppy dogs. But at the same time, now I can experience what I saw my friend experience when I walked through that break room. You know what? God is still good. I still know that he is. Even though what I see doesn't always line up with what I know to be true. Because what I see is temporary. Everything you see in the natural is temporary. When we begin to see more, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago too, we see things as though they are even when, when they're not yet. <laughs> and this is not a um, kind of name it, claim it thing because we're not trying to jump on that bandwagon. But at the same time, when you recognize things that are a reality in the spirit, they will begin to manifest in the natural as a natural byproduct of you recognizing those things. Does that make sense? When you're, I want to I kind of break that down into a practical way that you can see it, but I'm not really sure how, okay? So, okay, maybe I can. <laughs> I'll try. I'll give it a shot. So if, if let's say you're hypothetically, you're, you're walking into a store, and, um, and this has happened, and, and it doesn't always happen this way, so please don't make a, a formula out of it. Write it down and try to copy it. That's not what I'm talking about. But this is, this is a, an example, just to give you an example. You walk into a, a, a store or something, and you're, you're having a bad day, or you're frustrated, uh, <laughs> which is pretty common, I think. Uh, your back hurts or your, your head hurts or your, you know, your, your kids are frustrated, whatever it is, you're having a rough day. You walk into, you walk into a, a, a store and someone comes up to you and they're, and they're, they're happy. They're not obnoxiously happy because that can annoy you too, but they're just genuinely happy. And they come up and they speak to you for, for no practical reason, like why is this person speaking to me? And your whole demeanor changes. As The more they talk, the more calm you get. Has anybody experienced this? this? Okay, this has happened to me before. The more they talk, the more calm I get, and the more in a better mood I get. I'm like, okay, if I can recognize what this is, then this can change the way I see every other interaction that I have with other, other people. What's happening is in the spirit, this person has, is, is kind of a divine appointment that they've, they've been sent there to get me to chill out. I know this seems real simplistic, but it happens the other way around too. When you recognize that someone is stressed out, you can diffuse the situation. This is very practical stuff. Or you can make it worse, right? Listen, I'll, <laughs> this actually happened. All right. <laughs> we, I, I went to pick up our kids. Tracy, Tracy, Tracy asked me if I, I came home early one day, and Tracy asked me if I'd ride with her to pick up the girls from school. So I went to pick up the girls from school. Another embarrassing story for my kids. Don't tell them. We pick up Trent from school, and we pick up another, some other teenagers that are there. Well, when you leave, it's a madhouse. There's, like, no organization when they leave that school. And so you, you make a way to get into places or whatever. Well, it was kind of my turn to go, and so I went, and another kid went to come out too, but I was already out. Well, the kid in the passenger seat um, showed me a display of affection <laughs> with his hand and one finger. I'll leave it at that. And, and so we got stuck waiting for a long time, and I was like, I'm going to go talk to this kid. <laughs> so I put it in park and took my seatbelt off, and every female in that truck grabbed me and I think they thought I was just going to be a jerk and, like, want to fight him. I'm like, I'm not going to go fight this kid. I just want to talk to him. Like, you know, he flipped me off. I just want to say, I'm going to have a conversation, which hindsight probably would have been a little awkward. But in the moment, I was like, I'm going to talk to this kid right now. we got time. I mean, what are we doing? Anyway, but, but in my mind, I was thinking, I really do. I want to see, you know, what he thought, 
what he thought was going to happen. I didn't want to escalate the situation, but I wanted to have a genuine conversation with him. Like I said, I'm sure it would have been awkward. I don't know if he'd even roll the window down. But I was going to go back there and talk to him. I thought, this is a good opportunity. <laughs> no one else in the truck thought it was a good opportunity for me to go talk to this kid. Um, but anyway, so they're... <laughs> See? And Dana, if you ever hang out with Dana... Oh, yeah. Sorry, I was a little just... And I, Paul, that's going to make me feel like a jerk now. Plus, Trent was broken out in hives, so we were trying to get her some Benadryl because we didn't know why she was breaking out in hives. And so Trace's like, we need to go get her some Benadryl. Stop trying to go talk to some kids. So it's my ADD kicking in. I was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to this kid. Anyway, so apparently Trent's allergic to Nutella. We didn't know until some kid gave it to her at school, and she broke out, like, severely in hives. It's pretty crazy. So love, right? All right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I, I love some, some of the times when I go get lunch with Dana Watson, he's He's better and or worse at it, better or worse, whatever you want to call it, than I am. He loves awkward conversations, absolutely loves them. He will talk to anybody, anywhere about anything. I'm a little more selective. I try to listen to the Holy Spirit some. Dana's just right out there. Like, I'm going to go talk to this person randomly. Um, and anyway, so like I said, I'm not trying to make a formula out of it, but there, there, there are ways that we can express Holy Spirit in day-to-day life all the time. When we, when we have the love, that's how people see Christ in us. Does that make sense? I'll let that rest. I'm really drilling that. I don't know where I am. Um, all right. When you share the freedom you receive from God, when we talked about earlier, we, <clears throat> we love like he loves. We don't just love. We love like he loves. So when we share that love, what comes with that is freedom. So when you share the freedom that you receive from God and you love unconditionally the people around you, will experience one of the greatest freedoms any human being can enjoy, and that's freedom from yourself. Listen, the, <clears throat> one of the hardest things for me was to forgive myself. I had an I, I e- easier time forgiving other people than myself. I had to come to terms with myself and understand that, that I, I, I was one of my biggest hurdles to get past and be able to let my past be my past and not beat myself up about it. I remember thinking several times after I got saved how I just wanted to punch myself in the face. Like, why are you so dumb? Why... Why did you not see this? This is so clear. Why can't anybody else see this? And you, you guys have heard me say I've wanted to shake everybody. When I first got saved, I was like, why don't y'all see it the way I see it? This is so clear, and you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again, and it's really aggravating me. Am I alone here? Especially with family members, I would go, why? Why don't you see that when you make this mistake, you end up in this place, and then you make this mistake, and you end up in this place, and you make this mistake, and you end up in this place. Why can't you see it? With a genuine heart for them to be healed, I was not helping the situation by wanting to shake them and help them see it the way I saw it. Here's another thing I got from, from Buddy's message that kind of springboarded this as well, was that the, the father had to have known, and this is what kind of Buddy represented, he had to have known what the son was going to do when he gave him all the money. He kind of had to have an inkling of what was probably going to happen when he said, I want my inheritance now. He, he wants it for a reason. He's probably going to go off. He might not have known to what extent he was going to do it, but he gave it to him anyway. And this is, this, is, this is what love does. It's, it's not always practical. And I always say, love is messy. Religion is neat. <laughs> but it's not real. It's like the Matrix. <laughs> I don't want to go down that road. But it, it, and and I, I love that scene in the Matrix when he goes, you know, just plug me back in. He's like, ignorance is bliss. I just want to taste steak again. Even if it's not real, I want to, I want to taste steak again because this real doesn't taste good. I'd rather be, I'd rather have the reality. And here's, 
Here's what's great about the loving father. He loves anyway. It's not always practical. You know, you want the best for your kids, and you want them to understand your heart for them. And for everyone around you, you want the same things. But you, we cannot tie things to it. Here's why. Because we don't have it all together. As much as we think we do, we don't have it all together. As much as we think we know, we, we do want the best for people. I'm not saying our, our intentions are incorrect, but our, our version or our expectation may not be the same as the way that God's already working that out for them. And we may actually thwart that plan by trying to impose our, our own on people. Another thing legalism is really good at doing is making, making our own version of what this is supposed to look like instead of walking with people through it and helping them see Jesus in it. The loving father loved the son unconditionally. He went and, and did what he did, and then he came back. And what happened? Put the ring on him, which means you're a son. <laughs> you're part of the family. You were loved unconditionally. Regardless of what you've done, did he learn something through all this? Yeah. Another good thing that, I, that uh, Buddy said is the father went out to both of them, went out to the older son, too, to do the same thing. He was always looking for opportunities to teach them and what was going on. Both of them had the same problem. One was just trying to find it in a different place than the other. They, they, both, they both needed to see that it was already there in the father that they had. They were sons. It wasn't about the fatted calf. It wasn't about the party. It wasn't about the... The, the wild living, it wasn't about the, the one acting like a slave working his butt off while the other one was away. It wasn't about any of those things. It was about being a son of the Father. This is where we've got to, if nothing else, as a church and as a family, as a church family, we have to stay focused on this one truth. Everything else comes from that place, not the other way around. When, when, when I saw, when, when the whole, when the whole uh, kind of religious mindset or old covenant living in a new covenant church... <laughs> started breaking apart for me when I started to see it break apart. That's what I saw. I saw something's not right here. I can't, I couldn't put my finger, I didn't know what to call it, but it was, it just didn't fit. Nothing fit. And it was because that's not God's intentions. God's intentions were always for us to have a restored relationship with him through Jesus. It wasn't, let me do good so that I can get my ticket and go to heaven one day when I die. Everything changed. Everything has changed. (laughs) It's not, come to church so that you can be right, so that you can do good, so that you go to heaven one day when you die. Because all Jesus said was, I came and I brought my kingdom with me. Heaven's in your heart now. You have it. You have love. And it goes on into eternity. So what happens when we have perfect love? We don't fear anymore. What don't you fear? You don't fear death. Death has no hold on you anymore. You have eternal life. What are you to fear? You fear uh, judgment. We don't fear judgment anymore. Judgment's not a bad thing. Judgment's indifferent. If the judgment's good, I don't fear judgment at all. If I have a good judgment, if, if, if I go there and the judge says, you are free, bam, woohoo! judge me. <laughs> I'm going to get a tattoo that says that, judge me. Everybody says, only God can judge me. Judge me, judge away. I'm not going to do it, not on that arm anyway. I mean, who gets tattoos anymore? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, all right. When you operate from love, you are, you are no longer operating from self, so fear is no longer a factor. Go back to 1 John 4.18 if you want to look at that. Uh, agape love is not offended when it receives nothing in return. It needs no validation. You don't, need, you don't need somebody to lift you up and go, oh, look how great you are. You did this thing. You don't need that anymore. Here's what's great about that. When you don't need it, you're not disappointed when you don't get it. 
And when you do get it, you're just happy because I was like, that's cool. I'll take that. I had to learn that when people would compliment me, especially when I first started pastoring, people would say, man, that was really good. I would go, I mean, it's all Holy Spirit. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I finally had to say, okay, well, I guess I played a part in it. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. I guess I can take a compliment. It's all right. I'm not trying to get a big hit like I'm something great. Here's something. This is a side note. One of my friends sent me a message, yesterday, text message yesterday and said, hey, I told my wife you're a pastor, and we found your Facebook page, the public page that we have, and we can't find a picture of you anywhere on there. He was like, she doesn't believe me that you're a pastor. And I was like, okay. I mean, what do you want to say? <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm not a pastor. And I think, they were, I think she was surprised I was a pastor at all just because I'm kind of weird, but uh, whatever. But to me, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Do I? <laughs> yeah. But I don't have a problem with that at all because it's not about me anyway. I mean, it really isn't. It's like, who cares? I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not, oh, I need to be careful here. All right. I don't, I'll leave that alone. No, I mean, I, there's, no, I don't, want, I don't want to go down that road. We'll talk about that later, another time. And let's just say, let's just say I'm not going to, I don't know. Okay, I'll leave that alone. I don't want to do that. Stop, I don't want to go down that road. I'm just, I'm just me. I don't know what else to do. Um. So many jokes. Who? All right. You, uh, we talked about the two prisons. I, I got ahead of myself. Freedom is found in Christ and Christ alone. Listen, he's your true freedom. He's your true escape. Don't, you don't, here's, I heard Judah Smith teach on this a long time ago. You do not want to demand what you deserve. You never go to God and say, I did this. I deserve this. Whoa. <laughs> Be very careful when you do that. You are, you are much better off receiving what, the gift that he's given you than trying to demand what you deserve. Side, sidebar. All right. I don't want to go. We're not going to go too deep into that. Um, just receive the gift. Say thank you and, and give it away freely. Freely you receive, freely you give. Um, John 8.31 says, To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And know there is an intimate term. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. What's the truth? Jesus is the truth. He's referring to himself again. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. They're very arrogant in this saying. This like, look, we're God's chosen people. We're not slaves to anybody. How can you say that we shall be set free? We shall be set free. We're already free is what they were saying. And Jesus is awesome. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will, be, you will be truly free. You'll be free indeed. They didn't even know they were in prison, and they were in prison. They said, what are you talking about? We're, our father's Abraham. You don't even know your dad. <laughs> I know your dad. And I'm the son, and if I set you free, you'll, know, you'll be able to taste true freedom. This isn't, this isn't temporary thing. This is eternal stuff. All right, Galatians 5. <clears throat> Verse 1, it says, "Is for freedom that Christ has set us free, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by, by a yoke of slavery. Now, who's talking to is the Galatians here, and I'll kind of, kind of preface this real quick, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this whole, this whole thing in Galatians. Um, many of them had kind of tried to go back to Judaism. It started getting back into circumcision, going through all these ritualistic things, going back into a, more of a religious mindset, and he's warning them. Paul is warning them. He's saying, look, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free, 
that set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, he's not just talking about circumcision in and of itself. He's talking about uh, finding your place in an old covenant that's passing away or that's gone. And he's saying, look, you either get Christ or you don't get Christ. It's one or the other. He's saying, look, um, verse 3, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. (laughs) You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. This goes back to trying to demand something that you deserve. You You can't keep the whole law, so be very careful with that. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Love. There it is again. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works, works through the whole batch of dough. Now, I used to hear this talked about sin. It's not, he's talking about sin, but he's talking about self-righteousness here. He's talking about going back to the law. He's like, that yeast will work itself into the whole dough. You can't, you can't let that back in at all, not even a little bit. Mark used to talk about a little bit of cyanide in water makes poison. <laughs> a little bit of law in, in grace makes law. It's all law. If you, try to, if you try to do any of it on your own, you've negated everything that Jesus has done for you. You've said that Jesus' sacrifice is not enough for you. You've said, you, say, you say it's not finished, <laughs> essentially. Oh, man. That's not a good thing to say. All right. Um, little yeast works through the whole dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, now these are strong words, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has, has been abolished. That's just what I said. If that's the case, then what's the point of the cross? Amen. Now listen to this. As for, those, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You want to circumcise? Just do it. You want to you want to fulfill the law? Do it, man. Don't want you just go the whole way. I like Paul. He's funny. Verse thirteen. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command: love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not, listen to the terminology here, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Not your desires, the desires of the flesh, your old self. We recognize that. For the flesh, not you, the flesh, your old self, desires what is contrary to the spirit. And and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they they are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, and he goes on to sexual immorality, impurity, goes through all these things. These are obvious things that, are, that do not benefit you, that look like they are good for you, but they are not good for you. Now, he's not saying, what I used to read with this is, okay, don't do these things and do these things. These aren't prescriptive, these are descriptive, okay? Can we get that? When you are led by the Spirit, he'll use terminology here in a minute. When you're led by the Spirit, these are the things that the Spirit will produce. If you are thinking like the old way in the flesh, these are the things that the flesh produces. You'll have sexual immorality, impurity, all these different things, drunkenness, orgies. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy, 
is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. Listen to the terminology. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we, since we live by the Spirit, present tense, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. You are, fl- you are free from the flesh. This is a tongue twister. You are free from the flesh with its passions and desires. With its passions and desires. Don't mistake these for your passions and desires. God, is, God knows your passions and desires. He knows you better than you know yourself. If you lean on him for your, to, to understand and discover your passions and desires, you will see them much more clearly. Not trying to do them on your own. This, goes back, this is going back to being descriptive and not prescriptive. If you try to conjure up this plan that's going to work out everything and then God has another plan, how does that feel? It feels like you've, you've failed, right? But if you lean on him and go, okay, take a deep breath. Let's do it your way. <laughs> let's, let's see if we can do it God's way. And we lean into him and we pray and we go, okay, well, what's this look like to you? And then he leads us and then we go that way and we're like, well, this was much easier. I didn't have to work myself up to do this. This is, this is life. I'm not going to get into many examples of this, but I want to, I hope to express in, in as much as I can that you guys are free. You guys are free. And the terminology is a little bit weird here because it says you don't do what you want. Um, you guys are free to do what you want. You just need to know what you want to do. And we talk about this all the time. You need to discover in your heart what you're wanting to do and the results of these things. We make decisions every, every day. We make judgments every day of what we want to do and what we don't want to do. If we see in the spirit what is truly good for us and those that are around us, decisions become much more easy. They become much easier for us to, um, to make and to walk and talk in. When we put that back on ourselves, it makes it much more difficult. Personally, for me, I know. I will stress myself out to the max trying to fix everything that's around me. When I take it, and this is what happened yesterday for me, we had 8 million things. And I'm not saying abandon all your responsibilities. They're still there. Trust me. We came back to them, and we still have to deal with them. No, whatever. Abandon your responsibilities. What do I care? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> buddy, was, buddy was messing with me. All right, so, no, this, that's not what I'm saying. But what, what I didn't think that I needed, we needed yesterday, and we needed, we needed a little break. Um, what we do is we get so busy with life that we don't communicate as well with our kids sometimes. I mean, we communicate with them, but most of it's like stop, start, do, go, basic <laughs> life, don't die. Get off that, you know, don't run with that knife, whatever. Um, it's just basic life stuff, and you get caught up in that as parents, and you don't even realize it. And what happened yesterday, we were like, well, we weren't sure if we are going to go on this thing, and then we were like, well, I don't think any, there's not going to be a lot of other adults there. We probably should go and make sure everybody's okay, and they don't die. Other kids don't die. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to go, and the kids wanted to go too, so we're like, yeah, we're going to go. And I was like, man, i got all these things i got to do. Uh, okay, no, we're just going. We're going, we're going, we're going. So we go, and uh, it was what we needed, like, Really, the Lord really just used that whole time for us just to rest and relax and laugh and, and have, honestly, just the trip there and back, having conversations with our kids and with each other, it was fun. We joked around, we laughed, we told stories, we talked about our screwed up life when we were younger, and, and it was really healthy. It was good for us and it was needed. And I just think that's really cool how, you know, the Lord works a situation that you're really not sure how it's going to work because you've got all these things that you think are weighing on you and the whole world's going to fall apart if you go on a tubing trip one day, and you come back and it hasn't fallen apart. I mean, all the stuff's still there. <laughs> you still have to deal with it, but it hasn't fallen apart, and you feel better about it all now 
and you're encouraged and you're not stressed out about all those things, you just go and do them happily, that's a better place to be. So lesson is go tubing. <laughs> Abandon all your responsibilities and go tubing. No. No. But there's, there's a place that we can find ourselves and we think that even the best of us, and I'm not saying I am by any means, but even the best of us can find ourselves in places where our mind begins to take control again and we think that we're going to work everything out on our own. And the Lord goes, hey, remember me? I'm, I came here to give you rest. My burden's light. My yoke is easy. Remember that, that whole thing? Just walk with me, you know. We'll, we'll come back to all these responsibilities, you know, in the afternoon, the next day. They'll be there. We'll deal with them later, and we'll deal with them together. Not on your own. All right, stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Sidebar, Casey rode with us, and she talks faster than I do. Yeah, Tracy had to tell her a couple times, look, you hear, you hear how fast I'm talking? That's how fast I listen. <laughs> Slow down. I had to make her repeat herself a couple times. I was like, man, I talk fast. And you, you have run 40 words together, and I don't know what you just said. But I'm curious. I want to know. Anyway, Father, I just thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for laughter. It is, it is like medicine. It is good. I thank you for your joy. Thank you that we can come together in fellowship and spill over that love that you give us, Lord. It's not... We don't stand here uh, and, and demand <laughs> what we deserve, but we receive what you've given us, and that's true joy. That's, that's true, uh, true peace. Lord, you, uh, you were so, so good in, in giving us what we really need, even beyond our own ability to see it sometimes. So, Father, I just thank you for, uh, for leading us in those places. Um, together as a family and as a church body, Lord, we just uh, we worship you and we thank you. Um, Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>